When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day anymore. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot and empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. Hey everyone, Josh here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Have you been to our website, fearscapepodcast.com? There you can check out our store with all of our awesome t-shirts, check out guests that have been on the show, listen to the podcast directly on the website, even donate and help us bring you awesome content. Please consider supporting us, fearscapepodcast.com. Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts, cryptids, aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special bonus episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. This is Stefan, one of your hosts from Fearscape, and we are getting close to the 100th episode of our show. And to celebrate, we are premiering a series of episodes called The Road to 100, Days Gone By, where we let you listen to episodes from Fearscape Past, from our old radio show, Fearscape FM, and more. And there may even be a few surprises, things that have never even been heard before. We hope you enjoy this archived episode of Fearscape. And remember, hold those blankets extra tight.
The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time, so... Fearscape FM. Your home for the creepy, the paranormal, and everything in between that kind of, you know, haunts you at night. Makes you feel weird. Yeah, for all the creepy weird stuff here in Kentuckyana and beyond, uh, I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, alongside my co-host. Uh, Brad McQuery. That's me, guys. That is. Uh, we're very excited to be here on WCHQFM to share with you guys here in Kentuckyana all the weird stories that we come across and and the things that we research here, Brad being our, our main researcher for the most part. Yeah, I try. Uh, but yeah, uh, what what we do, we want to share with you guys a little bit about our show for those of you tuning in. Uh, this is our first episode here. Uh, like we said, we research all strange things that happen uh, between hauntings, demon possessions, alien abduction, uh, shadow governments, uh, all the good stuff. Uh, cryptids, you know, like uh, ghosts and goblins and ghouls. Oh, my. The juicy stuff that your parents told you not to read about at midnight. That's right. And there is quite a bit of information. Oh, there's so much. Uh, in just Kentucky and alone, as well as the extended Commonwealth of Kentucky and beyond. We're going to have us a blast. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, so to introduce ourselves, like we said, I'm Stephen Gearhart, and this is Brad McQuery. Uh, not only do we do this, but we do a podcast version called Fearscape. It is also uh, all over the interwebs, so you can go ahead and check that out as well. But we also do improv comedy. And uh, in the process of us doing improv together over the last two years, we found out something that we both really love. Yeah, we, uh, we're haunted people. We are, Essentially, we are very haunted people. We are two people who very much believe in the paranormal, the occult and uh, hauntings of that nature, um, while also holding a pretty deep skeptical side. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, even though we've had a number of things happen to us uh, in terms of hauntings or uh, UFO sightings or anything of the like, <laughs> uh, we still distrust a lot of it and question it because we want to know why we want, we want to know not necessarily the truth, but how did we get to this? moment where we're like this is the truth or is it just made up yeah and so on a road trip we started talking about you know somehow we got uh, across weird ghost type stories that have happened to us oh because i told you about my alien story when i was like seven years old yeah and uh (laughs) you know about little things that happened just when we were a kid and i shared about how i saw a ghost when i was about the same age yeah and we started realizing how much we loved this stuff and we were like we need to do a podcast on this yeah like anybody in 2018 does if you like something or 2019 now you just do you just make a podcast yeah and then we said you know what more people need to hear this they do and so we decided to do a radio show as well and so like i said we research a topic uh, a specific haunting or uh, abduction case or anything or just a generic uh, paranormal type topic. We research it and we share that information with you while also having a good time. Because like I said, we're improvisers with a troupe called Sidetracked Improv. Yes, and. Yeah. <laughs> so we do improv <laughs> comedy. We have a lot of fun. But man, we get spooked out. So uh, welcome, welcome, welcome 
to Fearscape, Fearscape FM. FM. That's right. Uh, all so, scary all the time. That's right. Uh, normally here we do a little bit of what we like to call creepy catch-up. Uh, but since it's the first episode, we wanted to just share with you who we were and a little bit of our experiences. Brad said that he already had, you know, an alien uh, sighting when he was seven years old. I saw the ghost of my dead aunt uh around the same age um and we'll share those stories uh throughout the year whenever you guys listen we're here every sunday at 9 p.m uh so make sure to check that out and you know wait we share those stories they'll be there uh and usually you know here we'll discuss things that happen to us you know during the week because things tend to happen to us all the time oh yeah um whether it's you know night hag syndrome or dreams or uh or just weird instances where did we see something or did somebody tell us something you know we we got a lot we got a lot and we love to catch up with it but i want to get uh moving here Uh, oh yeah absolutely yeah i want to get moving so uh the first thing we want to get going is uh before we get talking about our topic tonight which we'll announce here in just a moment is uh, i want to get into a little bit of spooky news Ooh, spooky news i like this All right, here on Spooky News, uh, each week we've got some sort of news of the weird. <laughs> okay, okay, I have to take a pause real quick. You just got like super anchorman there all of a sudden. Like your your posture popped up and your voice got a little bit more tenor to it. You're like, here on Spooky News. Here on Spooky News. Give me the Spooky News, baby. <laughs> now here on Spooky News, we uh, find a topic each week um, of the strange, the weird, the paranormal, whatever we can find of something that has happened. And uh, we share that news with you. Uh, so the the story that I have for you, Brad, tonight is uh, one that I found on MUFON. Oh, and also, just so everybody knows, I don't know what these stories are ahead of time. He <laughs> surprises me with them, so these are general reactions. Yeah, so I'm spooked out. Uh, no, so this is from MUFON, which Ooh. is the Mutual UFO Network. Uh, I decided to go to their website. Uh, they have a really great website. And they, they uh, any alien um, sighting or anything like that is logged. Uh, well, one of the stories recently was about a military veteran who said that he saw a circle-shaped UFO. Yes, I love it when military veterans come forward with this. I do too. So the story goes that an Arizona witness at Buckeye outside uh, in Arizona reported watching a circle-shaped object moving under 1,000 feet at high velocity that made no noise. Is this like is this like when he was in service or this is recent he witnessed this? This is recent. Okay. Uh, the incident occurred when the reporting witness and his wife were setting up a telescope in a local park on a full moon at 11.15 p.m. Uh, this past summer, June 28th. See, why aliens got to be ruining romantic picnics? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the man said before the telescope was fully set up, a vertically aligned donut ringed object with yellow orange light surface appeared below the moon traveling from southeast to north northwest at extremely high velocity and low altitude roughly around 500 to a thousand feet that's super low yeah wow super low uh he goes on to say the object made absolutely no sound like we said but at the closest approach was within one mile of his vantage point dang and uh to add to this story oh there's more yeah the witness here which you know they don't on mufon they try not to give names because they don't want people harassed but yeah, the witness is however a united states air force veteran and special operations intelligent analyst who previously held a top secret with caveats clearance <sighs> I, why, why why can't these things happen to us why do you have to have special military clearance <laughs> to be able to witness these things exactly um well he's retired 
Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it, one of the things that Brad and I have discussed through our friendship and through our podcast is that uh, whether it's ghosts or aliens or whatever it is, it's kind of like all it takes is one experience. Oh, yeah. One. And it like it opens up your mind. It unlocks some sort of potential for you to see things. Almost like a third eye or something. Almost. You know, it's almost like, you know, you buy a Jeep, right? A Jeep Cherokee or whatever. Where's well, this going? I, well, I'm about to tell you. So <laughs> it's like you buy a Jeep. And all of a sudden, you start noticing Jeeps everywhere. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's the same thing. You know, you, you see a UFO or something like that, and all of a sudden, your mind now knows what to look for. Knows what a UFO is. And sees it. And here's a guy that has top secret, you know, access, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff like that. So he probably already knew what to look for. See, I've never seen the cylinder UFOs. All of my experiences have been the triangle slash and or and pyramid shape ones yeah mine have been the the triangle and the square or rectangle so you've never seen the circle ones either no i've never seen wow the circle ones. that's interesting At least that i know of i mean i've seen the lights you know yeah. and things like that those could have been circular but yeah no I've, I've usually seen the triangles or a rectangular shape that's weird because you, you know in the movies they're always portrayed as the most common as the giant saucer shape you know independence day all those movies mm-hmm. but um the only time you see like a alien ship or a star or a starship is like in star wars and stuff like that where you see like the star destroyers and all that yeah well it's interesting because uh, uh uh here's here's a little bit of new news for you that you don't know brad oh fun i started watching ancient aliens <laughs> oh you're in for a wormhole there buddy. yeah i i don't know why after all these years i've always made fun of it because my dad loves it my dad is definitely an ancient aliens guy right i thought you were stopped there today. he is an ancient alien no well he might be <laughs> um but no i decided to watch it and yeah you see the circular shapes quite a bit just yeah, that's the whole common. reason. Um, but, you know, and to do some research for this for the show and things like that. That's why I started watching it. But it's definitely very interesting. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's the news. I mean, I don't doubt that this guy Arizona is a hot spot. It really is. It's an absolute hot spot, much like New Mexico. A hot spot for UFO activity. Um, not sure why. Yeah. And my next question would be the why, because you got your Roswell and stuff like that happened in uh, that was in Nevada. No, but, Roswell's in New Mexico. Roswell is New Mexico. Yeah, Area Fifty One okay. is in Nevada. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I'm dumb. My brain don't work right now. No, I'm. I'm. I had I'm, a migraine earlier. I'm hardcore on aliens right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> or you can imagine me with the big hair. Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> Anyways, that's spooky news for this week. All right, man. Uh, let's get going on, man. We've got an interesting episode this week let's get it popping baby let's get it popping we are going to be talking this week about waverly hills sanitarium yes and if you're from the louisville area which if you're listening to this you are then you know probably a little bit about waverly hills it's one of the most common haunted locations not only here but when you look at it from a national perspective waverly is considered one of the most haunted locations in the world yeah every year it makes the list of most haunted uh place in america hands down um and has for a little while mm-hmm. um it, it, however there's a lot of information there so is we've broken this up into two parts yeah so uh make sure to come back next sunday uh this week we're going to be specifically talking about the history of the place mm-hmm. which in itself is is scary itself yeah, even history is a little bit dark it's dark and scary and you can see why hauntings exist in the first place there mm-hmm. you know why spirits may stick around or or do things like that um, but we also want to remind you, uh, as we said in the disclaimer in the beginning, uh, you know, the research we find is just what we found. Yeah. You know, we can only discuss the things that we found 
And uh, we know that sometimes what we're talking about may not be accurate, especially when talking about legends and haunting yeah. and stuff, because those change depending on who the person is that you've told or talked to mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. And sometimes the history is skewed. I, I know even researching this, we found so many different sites with conflicting information. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, next week when we get into the hauntings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, that was the hardest thing for me to research because you go from Waverly Hills official website reading a story or a legend and then you go to another website or another article and the legends are similar, but there's certain details that are changed. And depending on who you talk to, it depends on what legend they've heard before. Exactly. So we definitely recommend if you want to do a really deep dive on Waverly Hills and not just our little book report that we pretty much have here, definitely reach out to Waverly Hills themselves. Talk to their historical society. They'll be able to dive into like, you know, like a college essay length. If you yeah. Want. Uh, we're just sharing with you the information that we've found. Exactly. In books and on the interwebs. <laughs> interwebs. Interwebs don't tell any and, lies. Uh, also, we want to remind you guys to uh, stick around after the show. Uh, towards the very, very end, right before we say our goodbyes, uh, every week we will share with you a listener story. Uh, so this Ooh. gives you an opportunity as a listener to send us stories. We'll, we'll give you information on how to do so. Uh, but this week we've got a, a listener story from, uh, a listener to our podcast named Josh Rutledge. And so we'll be sharing that one at the very end. So stick around for that. And, uh, let's go, man. I'm ready. Hit me up with some Waverly history, Brad. Let's hop on into the beginning of Waverly Hills. So the land that is actually known today as Waverly Hills was purchased by Major Thomas H. Hayes in 1883 to be the property that would accommodate the family's home. But at the time, it was not called Waverly Hills. That is something that we'll actually get into here shortly. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It was just, uh, just so it was land. It was just called The Hill. I mean, or might as well. One of the hills. One of the hills. Because the part of town this is in there's nothing but hills yeah it's uh so this is near the south end this is off dixie off east pages that kind of area yeah. uh, for those of you in the louisville area listening so the issue with where their new home was located though is it was very far away from any existing schools so like any father in the 1880s he decided hey i'm just gonna go ahead and build a school myself so he built a school. <laughs> yeah. So nowadays people are like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and homeschool my kids. Yeah. Back then you were, they were like, you know, I'm just going to build a school. I'm going to build a school and I'm going to hire a teacher. Because it's the late 1880s. School. I'm going to have 14 children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's essentially an entire graduating class for most private I'm colleges. Gonna ha- I'm going to have mother teach all of these children. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was just a one-room schoolhouse and Major Hayes hired Lizzie Lee Harris as the school's teacher. Now, at the time, the land and the school did not have a name, as we said, but Lizzie Lee Harris had a fondness for a particular author. So, Miss Harris loved the works of Sir Walter Scott. Ooh, I love Walter Scott. I know that's one of your favorite mm-hmm. artists. or Authors. <laughs> he's, a, he's got some deep cuts. <laughs> he's got some deep cuts. He goes real deep in yeah, the Yeah, he's a the rapper bar. and a poet. <laughs> Dude, he slams some 616 bars, know what I mean? <laughs> now, her favorites were mainly the Waverly novels, first, per, first published in... 1814. So when Miss Harris took over as a teacher for the school, she lovingly named the school Waverly School. Major Hayes loved how peaceful, and that's a weird thing to call this land knowing what it is today. Oh yeah, for sure. The peaceful sound of the name and decided to name the entire property Waverly Hill. Awesome. So now we're going to get into the actual original sanatorium. So before we dive into the creation that would become the Waverly Hill Sanatorium, I would like to first explain the difference between a sanit- 
sanitarium and a sanatorium. Oh, yeah. I mean, I even I don't even know which one I said at the beginning of the episode, if that tells you anything. I think you said sanatorium. I don't know. Maybe sanitarium. I don't know. I'm interested because sanitation. Now, yeah. Now I don't know. <laughs> I assume they were the same thing. So you're not wrong, though, because they actually mean the exact same thing. It's all about the intent. Now, the reason that sanatorium is used rather than sanitarium is simply because one of the founders of the National Anti-Tuberculosis Association, which we'll just call ATAN, or ATA at this point because it's way too long to say, wanted to coin a term that was distinguished from sanitarium, which sanitarium pretty much just means a health resort. It's like a a spa. Yeah, a place where people kind of go for, you know, just... Go get your toes did. Get some cucumbers on your eyeballs. Yeah, get just, a massage just a place from a to relax. Guy. You know, you got like like mental like mental elements stuff like that. Just somewhere just to just to heal. Sure. Like a real easy healing process. Now, as many Louisville natives know, TB is a huge issue here. It still is to this day, but that's why we vaccinate. Right. Vaccinate your kids. Now, with TB having no cure at the time, they had to rely on the victim's immune system to kick in and beat the virus itself. So, sanatorium was derived from the Latin verb sanare, which means to heal, rather than sanitize, which means health, officially changing it from health resort to a healing resort. And resort sounds very exotic for this place. So, shall we begin the journey? Oh, man, we haven't even started? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I was just telling you about sanatorium, sanitarium. Yeah, I'm already thinking, like, <laughs> the difference is, is that uh, the sanitarium, you got to have, like, a bottle of the sanitizer that moms carry in their purses, and, you know. You know, if that had existed then, there had been so many lives saved. Oh, I'm just, <laughs> you're not, you are not wrong. You're not wrong. Because even then, like, the water wasn't great, you know. Oh, no. I mean, uh, this is kind of a sidetracked thing, but I didn't know that until World War, or not World War, Civil War, the Civil War was the first time that sanitized instruments were ever introduced into oh, a medical yeah. environment. Oh, yeah. And so even before then, then, it was like whiskey. Just pour whiskey on yeah, it. Yeah, pour whiskey on it. Here's some dirt. Yeah, <laughs> rub, rub some dirt on it. Cauterize that. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just make something really hot and cauterize it. Yep. So, what is tuberculosis, a.k.a. TB, a.k.a. the White Plague? It is an infection, with or without disease, caused by the bacterium Mycobacterium tuberculosis. Humans usually acquire infection by breathing in infection droplets, which have been expelled from respiratory tract of infected persons. Tuberculosis disease mainly affects and damages the lungs, but the bacterium may spread to other organs in the system. The disease is slowly progressive and chronic, if untreated, and may result in death. Treatment with antibiotics is available today, but at that time it was not something that was readily available. So in the early 1900s, Jefferson County, where we live now, was hit hard with an outbreak of TB. Due to the large amount of wetlands along the Ohio River, which, by the way, is perfect for TB bacteria to (laughs) anyone who's grown up here, they needed to find a way to not only contain the disease, but also to prevent it from spreading to others. Now, at the time, they believed that fresh air was the greatest way to combat TB. So in 1908, the Waverly Hill property was purchased by the Board of Tuberculosis Hospital. Keeping the name Waverly Hill... And in 1910, opened up the two-story wooden sanitarium, sanatorium, gotta get that right, which consisted of an administrative uh, slash main building and two open-air pavilions, well, each housing about 20 cases. What happened to the army dude? Um, He had passed away, I believe, and then his family had sold the property. If I remember this right, because uh, I didn't delve too much into him, but he uh, he had passed away and then his family sold the property. Okay. So with the property being so high up elevation-wise, it was perfect for what they were trying to accomplish here. 
I mean, I guess because it was already cleared away and things like that. Because I'm like, there's so many other hills. There are. Um, I don't even know if Waverly is the highest. I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't have that answer. Yeah, I don't have an <laughs> elevation map just sitting in front of me for this one. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's because it's already cleared. There's already, you know, the work had already been done. Yeah, you know, and you already got a little schoolhouse there, a home, uh, some things like that. So that that makes sense. Yeah, and it was a lot of land too. So in the early part of 1911, the city of Louisville began to make preparations to build a new Louisville City Hospital. Now, when the plans were made, they initially did not include anything for a treatment of TB. So the Board of TB Hospitals was given $25,000, which equates to about $627,000 today, to erect a hospital for the care of the advanced cases of TB. Right, because TB is pretty contagious, correct? Yeah, it's and very so contagious. so they just didn't know how to deal with it. And, you know, I'm sure they didn't want just to put you next door to a guy that's got pneumonia. No, no, not at all. So on August 31st of 1912, all TB patients from the city hospital were relocated to temporary quarters, a.k.a. tents, on the ground of Waverly Hills while they awaited the completion of the hospital for advanced cases. So how long do you think it took them from the time that they arrived on the grounds for the tents hospitals until they were officially able to be moved indoors? Uh, I would say, so they've got to build a hospital? Yeah, the hospital's being built. I I would say a year. Um, no, not that long. So the, uh... The Wait, because they're in tents? No. So they wouldn't even move them up there, so I would have said like two months. Yeah, it was uh, December. In December that same year, they would be able to uh, move the advanced cases into the new facility, uh, which was about 40 patients. And then in 1914... A children's pavilion was opened, which added another 50 beds. Jeez, so they were just like, y'all are going to stay outside. All right, we know. Well, I guess because they want the fresh air. Yeah. Um, but still, like, it's rainy. It's If it's open in December, it got cold back then, so it was probably already cold in the beginning of October, and they're just hanging out in tents with an old wood-burning stove. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is, like, we read this, and we're thinking, oh, how primitive was this? Right. But when you go back and look at pictures, it was actually in okay condition for them, because they were larger tents. They're not just, like, small tents. Yeah, they're not, like, teepees or, no. you know, just... And that's kind of how I saw it in my head, was, like, teepees. Like, right, no, or, like, uh, uh, one of those um, tent cities or something like that, no. Yeah, so they did have, like, wood-burning stoves and stuff like that to keep the patients comfortable in the tents. Right, you think more like uh, the Romans and stuff, those tents where they kept the king or the general in, yeah. where it basically looked like a home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you got to think our military, whenever they go right. to the post and stuff like that, they have these kind of tents back right, then that exactly. had the heat and all that stuff that they needed. Now, the Children's Pavilion was not just for sick kids, but also the kids of TB patients that could not care for the kids themselves. Now, at this time, the hospital had the goal in mind of adding a new building every year to house the ever-increasing number of TB patients. So, man, so we've got kids, right, you're saying that... Uh, have TB, mm -hmm. but also children that are just children of TB patients. Yeah. God, those poor kids. I mean, you talk about already scary. Yeah, and they did keep them separated. Oh, yeah, that's, I was that's about something to I did ask find. That. They I was did like, keep I them wonder separated. how many kids, non TB kids, ended up getting TB, you know, like, and, and dying. Yeah. Ugh. It's It was definitely a very scary time. Uh, something I found out through family is we actually had relatives uh, that were at that hospital. During the, I think it was in the 1920s. Wow. So they were actually in there. Uh, my grandmother, before she passed away, it was, I believe it was her grandmother that was in there. And she doesn't like talk. She Well, when she was still alive, she didn't like talking about it. Guys, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, even after all these years. And this isn't even the haunting part. No, this is just the just the history. It, like, it is what it is in the building. 
how different medical care was back then. Oh, yeah. Like, just the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the lack of care. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, the lack of understanding in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, like... And the lack of lawsuits at that time. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you gotta think, just piggyback off what you said, TB was fairly new in terms of contagion. Mm-hmm. So they were, as people were dying from it and catching it, they were still learning about it. Yeah. And trying to figure it out. Yeah, it reminds me very much of HIV and AIDS in the uh, early 80s. Yeah, you know, how they kind of like widespread real quick. Yeah, and they didn't know what to do with it. Originally, they called it GRID. And they just didn't know what it was and what it did, and they kept learning, and uh, it's just crazy. It's, yeah. it's it's insane to think that that's still something that happens, you know, when we get these new plagues or new things that in the process of learning, we there's a possibility of losing those people as well. Yeah, it's pretty insane. And just to give you an idea of how, how deadly TB was, uh, the Louisville Times is quoted in December 5th of 1928 as saying, during the World War, TB killed more persons than shot in shell. Wow. And that was, uh, I did get the verification on what that means exactly and nationally. Uh, more, or, yeah, more people died nationally from TB than actually died in the war itself. Wow. That's insane. So, due to the constant need for repairs to the wooden sanatorium, uh, need of a more durable structure, and the need for more beds as they were starting to actually turn patients away. Uh, it was decided in 1924 to construct the building we now see today. Uh, the building was designed by architects James J. Gaffney and Dennis Xavier Murphy. The new five-story building was opened on October 17, 1926, allowing for the holding of over 400 patients. But with the introduction of antibiotics in 1943, specifically streptomycin, the number of TB cases gradually lowered over time until they were no there was no longer a need to have such a large hospital so that's insane like so here here i want you to think about something yeah okay so uh i'm a his, i'm a history buff okay and i i was uh doing some research on world war one okay mm-hmm. so this is all during that time so you know i'm looking yeah, in relatively. between you know the end of the or the beginning of the tb outbreak essentially you know we're looking at the early 1900s for here uh through 1940s or whatever mm-hmm. um so just that time alone you're saying that more people died of tb than shot and shell well, all those people still died of shot and shell. And then one of the things that some people believe World War One ended was because of was the Spanish flu, the original H1N1. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And so there was this huge outbreak of the flu mm-hmm. that killed. Um, uh, I think they said it killed more people than the war itself. Oh, so yeah. can you imagine the amount of people that died a from the war B from Spanish flu and C from TB all just within like a decade's time? Like if you look from 1910 to 1920, that's insane. It's crazy. That's, that's a lot of death, but with a lot of death comes a lot of haunting. Oh yeah. That's for sure. Yes, for sure. So with the introduction of the antibiotic, unfortunately, or actually fortunately, I don't want to say unfortunately, yeah. fortunately, <laughs> uh, TB was pretty much. Not necessarily eradicated, but controlled. And in 1961, Waverly Hills Sanatorium would close. And Just rem- when things were starting to get groovy. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the remaining patients were actually sent to Hazelwood Sanatorium. Where's that? You know? Uh, I'm not sure. Is it in Hazelwood? <laughs> it probably is. There's probably an area called Hazelwood. You know, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. <laughs> Hazelwood. Now nah, I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> now, the building would not stay abandoned for very long. 
because in 1962, the building was purchased and reopened as Woodhaven Geriatric Center. Oh, boy. Yeah, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, so we've had all these people dying of TB, which we haven't even gotten into. No, we're not even there yet. Okay, because that'll be the next episode, really. But uh, we know that a ton of people died of TB at that hospital. Oh, yeah. So now they're going to turn this into a geriatric old folks home Mm -hmm, where people are dying. Yeah. (laughs) Man, let's just go ahead and just make that energy insane. (sighs) The Grim Reaper's just like, like, uh, just... Whatever, rain and like rain and money over that thing. Just raining money. Over- yeah, he's I just, just like this- I'm getting. Yeah, I'm getting a lot here. I- okay, so what is the Grim Reaper's currency exactly? It's death. Is it souls. It's, yeah, it's okay. souls, man. So wouldn't they be lifting up and going into his pocket instead of him raining it down on them? Yeah, I guess so. I guess he's just. What I mean is, he's raining death. He's, he's just like, raining oh, death. this place is perfect. Yes. Raining death now available on HBO. Also a Slayer song. Is it really? <laughs> no. It's not. Oh. <laughs> We're on WCHQ, so it's all local music here. There's no Slayer. <laughs> so when the building would reopen, uh, it was a geriatric center, as I said, and it was used for uh, aging patients with various stages and forms of dementia and mobility issues. So as well as severely mentally handicapped, and it was closed in 1982 due to patient neglect. Oh, man. So it was an old folks home and um, a home for uh, mentally and physically handicapped. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, neglect. And, you know, here's the sad thing is is that, you know, that still happens. Oh, yeah. Neglect happens. Um, a lot of people are so afraid to send their, their family to these homes. Um, I talk to my sister about it all the time, you know, because our parents, of course, are always they're getting older and older and older. And one mm-hmm. day we're either going to have to move them in yeah. or send them to a home. And uh, my sister, who's a nurse, she's just like, no, you can't send them to the home. You know? <laughs> like, and here this is 2019. Yeah. OK. So imagine back in the 60s. Like, <laughs> no. Man. I mean, I guess at that time, maybe the due to the lack of things like social media and stuff like that. The neglect probably wasn't, probably probably wasn't as well known. It probably oh, took a while to find out. Well, about yeah, it. that was the whole point was that it, it was so secretive. I mean, even now it's secretive. That's the thing. Yeah, people are just aware that it happens now. You know what I mean? It, but it's still like not out in the open. Uh, gra- Grandpa's going crazy. He's saying that his nurse is hitting him. That doesn't seem exactly. likely. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they give him good food. But yeah, so 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 here we are. So now we're. Uh, we're through the 60s and beyond. Mm-hmm. We've had all this death from TB. We've had, uh, you know, who knows what kind of death happened beforehand. We don't know yeah. if there were Native Americans that were there that, you know, had, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, we don't know that history uh, that could have happened on there. There could have been even more death there. Uh, could have been a ritualistic site. Who mm-hmm. knows? Uh, you've got uh, the uh, army dude. Like, he's probably died up there. All the TB patients. And now these patients from this home, who a number of them, I'm sure, passed away. So already, I'm sure the count is insane. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. The amount of people that have died in this small area. And then to make it even worse, when you're the death of TB and then a geriatric hospital, you're like, okay, how's this energy building up? Well, now they decided they wanted to try to turn it into a prison. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's a great idea. Uh, you know, but people don't understand supernatural <laughs> phenomenon and energy. Yeah. And, I mean, there's 
There's so much, and, and we're not touching on this, you know, but there was so much just craziness that happened at this hospital. And I'm sure that between the neglect and just the practices that happened, and now you're going to put miserable souls of a prison, like, in this same location? Yeah, it's it's kind of rough. So I'll give you a little bit of information on that, because there's not much on the prison, because it actually never happened. Oh, really? Uh, so in 1983, developer J. Clifford Todd bought the hospital for just over $3 million dollars in hopes of turning it into a medium security prison. Now, once the nearby neighbors found out what it was going to be turned into, they protested. I mean, as you would, because if you've ever been up to the hill, yeah, at the bottom of the hill is nothing but residential housing. Mm-hmm. So if any escaped convict, they're going to go right down yeah, to residential especially housing. especially in the 80s. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, these, these neighborhoods were fully developed in the 80s. Yeah, so it was heavily protested, and then he turns around and suggested, well, hey, how about we just turn it into apartments instead? But he had expected the county to give him $400,000 in order to start the project. So it so, never got off the ground. So this dude's just looking for a gold mine. Yeah, I mean, essentially. if you're investing $3 million into a property, you want to get something out of it. So, yeah, so the, the prison didn't happen because you said the uh, protests, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the protests you prevented know, and that, the prison. And that's a tricky thing, you know, and it really is, you know, um... Uh, I can imagine that for any neighborhood that lives near a prison. Oh, yeah. It, it's got to be frightening. I mean, I know up in Michigan, uh, I don't remember which highway it's on, but I know there's a section where immediately there's signs everywhere that says, do not pick up hitchhikers. I've seen signs like that. Like uh, when I used to travel pretty heavily uh, with professional wrestling, mm-hmm. there's certain counties we would go into to do these shows and you would just see these signs just like right next to a school pretty much, but like. Do not pick up hitchhikers, possible convicts. Yeah. And so I can imagine here it is on the edge of your backyard. Yeah. And you're trying to raise a kid. The last thing you want is some potential convict (laughs) coming to get you and killing your family (laughs) and you become part of the haunting. So it goes a little bit something like this. Mommy, I met George out in the backyard, and he's wearing an orange jumpsuit because he said he's going hunting, and he's really hungry, so I want to get him a sandwich. Can we get him a sandwich? Hey, I'm George. I just need a sandwich. I, uh, I don't mind the orange. I just want to make sure I'm seen. Oh, honey, I am going to have to hard pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's essentially <laughs> what happened over on East Pages Lane. Oh, <laughs> we just gave the history of East Pages Lane. Yeah. Right <laughs> So, you might know, this might be somewhat familiar to you, because you moved into Louisville when? Yeah, so uh, I was originally born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, I moved to Louisville, uh, that's what I called it back then. Louisville? Louisville, uh, in 1994. 1994, okay. I was a sophomore in high school, yeah. I think you and I have discussed this one before, and you knew a little bit about it. Uh, The Jesus statue. Oh, yes! Okay, so I was a super Christian boy back then. I used yeah. to go to Shively Baptist Church. Shout out to you guys. I'm sorry I don't go anymore. But <laughs> I used to go to Shively, and so we were in the youth group, mm-hmm. and everybody was talking about this statue, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody, and everywhere we go, there were preachers talking about it, <laughs> trying to get you to, like, to raise money for it. Yeah. Like, they were taking special um, tithing uh-huh. for the statue. Yeah. And me living on Dixie Highway, like, I remember us driving and looking up and going, man, it's going to be right there. Jesus is going to be shining down. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, wow. I forgot all about this statue. Yeah, so the statue was uh, first brought about in March 1996 by Robert A. Alberhasky. He bought Waverly Hills and the surrounding area. Now, his goal was to create the world's largest Jesus statue through Christ the Redeemer Foundation. Right. He wanted this sucker uh, bigger yeah. than the one in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, he wanted it big and gold. Yeah, and gold. That's what I remember. I remember <laughs> it needed to be gold. I guess so it reflected better and blinded people. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. I get it. I'm, you know, I, I come from a pretty religious background myself. And, you know, everything you hear is you want to hear about the, the shining of Christ's light. So you make it gold so the sun reflects off it and blinds yeah, you Yeah, and then the you're light. driving down Dixie. Like, we like we need any more distractions on Dixie Highway. It's already nicknamed Dixie Dieway. Yeah, it is. We don't need that. Uh, what, what's interesting is is uh, you think about the closest that we've got to that around here would be Solid Rock Church up north of Cincinnati where the big I've seen Jesus that one before, the statue. touchdown Jesus. Well, it's not the touchdown anymore because he died. Oh, that's uh, because years ago that touch that what was uh, colloquially called the touchdown Jesus, yeah, uh, was struck by lightning. Oh, wow! He was uh, he was only up to his torso, was in a pond, and he had his arms up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, people referred to it as touchdown Jesus. I it just looked to me like he wanted help out of the water. He probably did. That's why the lightning <laughs> finally struck him. But his so, dad was like, "I got you, bro." Yeah. So lightning struck that, and so they built a new one, uh, which is I believe twice the size that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and full standing this time. Gotcha. Um, but it is right on the highway. I mean, it's there to be seen. And so as big as that is, I can't imagine this giant golden statue. Now, yeah. I recall this not only was it, you know, for religious reasons, but it was oh, oh, it was hoped that it would bring tourism to mm-hmm. the Louisville area, um, especially to the South End and Shively yeah. and that whole area. Um, I mean, now we got a trampoline park. We do. We do. <laughs> we do. And, uh, but yeah, so what happened with this? I'm curious because uh, I, like I said, I just remembered it going away. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So it, it just comes down. Like Which, anything. by the way, I'm pretty sure I donated a couple bucks to this. And you probably need it. They, well, they'll never give it back to you. <laughs> so it was going to be about $12 million to complete the project. Woo! And they needed, they needed $4 million to actually start it. So, um, so this dude bought it off the prison guy, right? Yeah, he bought it off the previous. So owner. the the guy that wanted the prison, he's like, Whew, "Thank you, thank you, yeah. Jesus." <laughs> yeah, literally, thank you, Jesus. Statue. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, he only raised three thousand dollars of the four million needed. So in nineteen ninety seven, the entire project was just scrapped. So to give you an example, I graduated high school in nineteen ninety seven. Okay, so I was a junior when this project first came out, and I remember talking about it. Yeah. Because that's when I was in my height of youth group, baby. And um, <laughs> uh, I used to be in a singing group. And we used to go from churches to churches. And I, I'm not 100% on this because I'm super old now. Uh, but I feel like we even did a concert to help raise money for it. Oh, you probably did. So. Because I I, uh, I remember certain things. Like At that time, I was only about six or seven years old. So I don't right. remember a whole lot about it. But I do remember them talking about it a little bit. Now, after it closed in 1997, it was uh, it laid abandoned for about four or five years, and then was purchased in 2001 by Tina and Charlie Mattingly, who still own it to this day. 
Oh man, so Jesus statue guy was relieved. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank, thank God." And, and and as and as we discussed earlier, we don't know the history of that land in terms of like tribes and stuff like that. Sure. So this land may be cursed. Sure. For all Absolutely, we know. Absolutely. For all we know. And that's why they still haven't been able to fully finish restor- uh, restoring it, because that's currently what they're working towards. They have a haunted house up there. Um, they do tours, and all that money goes to actually restoring the property, and at some point. When they get enough money to do so, they do want to turn it into a five-star hotel in which I will be staying. Yeah, I I absolutely love that idea. Um, I, I'll be sad to see some of the things go. I hope they keep certain things, um, but I think that's very, very exciting. Uh, same thing along the lines of the Jesus statue. I think it'll create some really cool tourism here. Oh, it yeah, already will. does. I mean, oh, yeah. them reopening from it just being abandoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people from my hometown of Toledo that have come down here to stay. Yeah, it. I've I've been in the facility a few times, and we'll talk about the next episode. My experience with yeah. doing investigations. I have yet there. to be up there because when I was a kid, uh, you know, around the Jesus statue time and a little bit before, we used to try to sneak up there. Yeah, don't and, do that now. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> well, don't do that then. I got caught every single time. And uh, <laughs> one time, I get up there, and a security guard or a cop catches me. I'm trying to duck under this fence. He catches me. I rip my back open and then roll down this hill. Like it did not feel good. No, I wouldn't think so. And so I have not, I really have never been up there. I drove up there once uh, in the last two years or so just to Mm kind of finally look at it with my own eyes. Well, we'll have to actually do an investigation there. For sure. Maybe take Ed with us. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) So right now they're currently, as I said, working to restore it. And on the next episode, we will dive into how a place that was meant to be a medical breakthrough turned into something so dark and labeled the most haunted place in America. From opening its first version of the hospital in 1910 to a closed in 1961 with a recorded 63,000 deaths. And that'll be in part two next week. Man. So uh, tell me a little bit more about today. Like, what's going on with it today? So today they are still working towards the restoration. Um, From what I've read and seen so far, they have actually started putting windows on the interior of the building. So the actual airways... Uh, which we'll talk about next episode as well, that helped with like the healing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. There's no windows there yet, but they are starting to put windows on the interior of the building in hopes of starting to turn it into a hotel. It's going to take a while because right. they so, need a lot of money to do it. Right now, I know they do like overnight tours. Um, they so- do overnight tours. Um, they do their haunted house every October. They have a concert series there. That they bring in. It's like the sounds of the underground. They bring in like metal bands and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I know they do like light shows. Yeah, they do a Christmas light show, Halloween Um, light show. But from what I've gathered, most everything is untouched in there. So it's like still Mm -hmm. the old graffiti that, you know, like people had gone up there and done. And, you know, things they kind of have left it that shell. Yeah. um, In terms of the... the investigations and stuff like that. So this is pretty popular. So for a long time, Ghost Hunters mm-hmm. on uh, Sci-Fi Channel did their live Halloween show there. Yeah. Like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as uh, we've talked about Ghost Adventures. They've mm-hmm. been there. Um, a number of them. There's a documentary of, I believe, the Louisville Ghost Hunters um, where they did their own investigation. Yeah, that's actually who I did an investigation with there. Oh, was Louisville great. Ghost Hunters. Yeah, we've got some friends, and uh, we will absolutely have some of those guys on here. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, to talk about some of their experiences, not just with Waverly, but with, with a lot of different stuff. Oh, yeah. Baxter Avenue Morgue is one we'll have to get to in the future. That oh, one, for sure. I would love to go to that as well. That haunts me to this day. So they also do, uh, you said a haunted house, but yeah. you're more traditional scare 
like boo it's it's more of a jump scare type haunted yeah, house yeah so it it's it's a you know so they have like people dressed up and yeah. stuff like that i wonder have you ever been to that yes I have. uh do they do themes of the hospital they do uh the the woman from 502 part of the haunted house i don't know if they still do it it's been about 10 years since i've been uh, but that was one of the most haunting scenes I've ever been in inside of a haunted house. Right. That's something uh, that I love that's unique to Louisville mm-hmm. um, that I haven't seen in anywhere else that I've lived are uh, local legend themed haunted uh, haunts. Yeah. Like, because, uh, you know, there is the goat man of Pope Lick. Yeah. They just, was that this year they just started doing no, that? No, that was two years year? ago. Two, years two ago. or okay. three years ago because I went to it. It's awesome. Yeah. But the whole thing's themed around the goat man. Of course. Um, you know, and then here we've got Waverly. So it's it's themed around Waverly, uh, Baxter Avenue more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really, really cool to showcase some of that local legend and oh, turning yeah. it into that, you know, tchotchke cheesy type haunted house (laughs) i just think it's really cool and if anybody is interested in either looking up a little more of the history itself or seeing if they have any upcoming openings for overnight stays they do overnight stays now found that out they do do overnight stays Mm -hmm. um investigations anything like that you just visit their website at therealwaverlyhills.com, and you can find all their booking information, their schedules, and events on there. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you get on there, check out their events, their schedule. Uh, is their history on there as well? Uh, yeah, some of their history is on there. They don't put it all on there because when you actually go and do the uh, the tours themselves, they right. throw a lot of history on you in person. Great. And that's where I learned a lot of my stuff from was doing it in person. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so check that out. Check out their Facebook page or anything like that. Um, uh Man, so let's wrap this up. Yeah. Okay. So Waverly scares me, like I said. <laughs> um, and like I said, we haven't even touched on the haunting yet. That'll have you ever week. looked at it during the fall? Like when the tree, all the leaves have fallen and you look up that hill? No. Have you ever seen it like peering through the trees? No. That is the scariest thing when you know what it is. Yeah. I mean, just the pictures alone, just of the structure today yeah. are frightening. Mm-hmm. So quick side story. When I was a kid. There was an abandoned uh, paper factory or something. Michael uh, Scott's Paper Company? Yeah. <laughs> there was like an abandoned paper factory. Um, uh, more like a distribution center, not like, oh, okay. mm, you know, like smokestacks and stuff. No. Um, but it was, uh, it was a couple blocks from my house. And it had been abandoned since I was born. I mean, I, I, we had never seen it not abandoned. And so you can imagine all the windows are busted out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this thing's like four stories tall. Uh, you can just imagine. And here we are kids. We have, we had so many stories that we talked about that place. It was so creepy and scary just walking. Cause we had to walk by it every day on the way to school. Yeah. And like, it was there all the time. And we used to dare each other to go inside and none of us ever went. We were always too scared. We'd get to that door and hear one creak and we were gone <laughs> because there were stories of like homeless people that were eating dogs and babies, you know, just all the dumbest stuff that like, it was an alien headquarters that demon, like there were Satan worshipers. And I mean, just everything that you can think of. Yeah. That's just a paper distribution center. Here's a here's a place with incredible, massive, like morbid history, mm-hmm. and it just emanates scary. Oh yeah, like, and I think that's one of the reasons it scares me so much is because, like I said, it just emanates scary. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this building I grew up with, and it's nothing compared to Waverly Hills. Yeah, nothing, nothing. <laughs> so uh, I am absolutely frightened already to get into the horrors uh, next week. 
um please please listen uh to the horrors next week because that's when we're going to be really getting into the creepy of waverly and all the the legends and and stories of that but we wanted to make sure to do some history here yeah absolutely uh and i'm very thankful for that because it helps give us a foundation for why the things that possibly happened there happened or why these hauntings happen and uh we'll talk about this more next week but there's different types of hauntings we've got residuals and intelligent and and things like that and we're gonna see the differences in those oh absolutely we will so what about you how how do you feel about all the history here um with growing up in louisville and kind of knowing about waverly hill since as far back as i can remember i feel like there's a lot more to the history that just wasn't recorded and I would, oh, for sure. I would love to know, you know, 63,000 deaths is a lot of deaths. And I would love to know, you know, kind of, is that all just from the tuberculosis itself? Were there other things that happened in that hospital we don't know about? Was there neglect? And then also, even after, you know, 1961, when it became a geriatric hospital up till now, there's no telling what's happened inside that building. Oh, you know, for when sure. it laid abandoned, there's when no it telling. laid abandoned. I mean, I know when we were kids, we always heard tale of people going up there and doing drugs and, uh, of course, satanic. I mean, Louisville is like famous for like satanic. I mean, the stuff you've ever heard the stories of Iroquois Park. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. So who knows mm-hmm. what happened up there? You know, who knows how many chickens died up there? Oh, goodness. For the sake of voodoo. <laughs> well, I can say when Kane's chicken came to Dixie Highway, lots of chicken died because of me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, but yeah, so uh, please, next week, uh, can we give them a little tease of what's going to be happening next week with the horrors of Waverly Hills? I will give you one tease, and I'm just going to say it. The Creeper. The Creeper. Oh, and and the death tunnels. That's the one thing I remember hearing. Oh, so death tunnels and the creepers. It sounds oh, like a yeah. lost Harry Potter book. Yeah, it, <laughs> Harry, Harry, Potter. Harry Potter and the death tunnel creeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright claimed it's ours. Yeah, don't it do is, it. <laughs> it is absolutely ours. Um, but yeah, so make sure to tune in to 100.9 WCHQ FM for uh, Fearscape FM Part 2 mm-hmm. of Waverly Hills. We're going to talk the horrors. Um, but here in a, just a short moment, we're going to get to our first listener story from a listener named Josh Rutledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, please go ahead and send us your listener story. Uh, yes, please do. There's different ways that you can do that. You can either type it out for us and we'll read it on air um, and share that with our audience abroad here. Um, you can send those to Fearscape Stories at WCHQFM.com. Uh, you can either, like I said, type those up. Or send us an audio file. You can record it on your phone. Send us an audio file. Uh, if it's too big, go ahead and just shoot us a message, and we'll 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 set up a uh, Google Doc or something like that, uh, Google Drive, so we can get that. Because uh, yeah, we don't mind. Just please, no cursing. Yes, please. We're 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 a friendly show here. That's right. Uh, and uh, Brad, why don't you tell them a little bit about our podcast that we do? So here at Fearscape FM, we are actually created due to the podcast Stephen and I do called Fearscape Pod. And what that is, is we do the same thing here. We dive into more national and global events rather than local. So if you want to hear more of an uncut version of me and Stefan, definitely check out uh, Fearscape Podcast. You can find that on the Destination Nation Network, Spotify, or not Spotify, not yet. We'll get there. Uh, and SoundCloud, Stitcher. Um, definitely go to DestinationComics.com. Check out uh, their podcast page and find Fearscape right there. 
and listen to what we have so far. Yeah, just like you said, we're on SoundCloud, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun, and uh, like we said, it is not a family-friendly version. No, and we version. also have a, a third host on that show, which we'll have her on here every now and then when we can actually get a hold Miss of her. Miss Kelly Casey. Kelly Casey, Miss Ghosty Casey. Uh, we love her to death, um, but yeah, she will be on the radio show, but yeah, check that out. Um, and uh, as well, we just did an episode on um, the Walton incident, which was the Fire in the Sky movie, mm-hmm. uh, the true events based off of that. So go ahead and check that out. Um, go find us on our social media, um, not only WCHQ social media, but you can also find our Fearscape where we're going to share stuff from the FM show as well as the podcast uh, on Facebook.com slash Fearscape pod or at Fearscape pod for Instagram or Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you kind of want to follow just Brad and I to see what we're up to, we're both comedians. We like to have a lot of fun. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Improv is Law. That's I-M-P-R-O-V is Law. And then you can follow me on the Instagrams and Twitters as well at Bzilla underscore comedy. Um, more Instagram than Twitter. Twitter upsets me sometimes. People say mean <laughs> things. <laughs> it does. Well, it's <laughs> all social media. Everybody says mean things. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times we talk about things and uh, we'll go ahead and post things that we find sometimes. Uh, pictures or, or things like that. We like to post those things for you on the social media. Uh, so go ahead and just look for those things as well. Don't forget that you can stream this episode. Uh, on WCHQFM.com. You can stream this episode if you want to go back and listen before next week uh, or you want to share with your friends uh, that you liked this new episode. We're trying to put this out there and get this out there to to Louisville and beyond. Uh, So go ahead and share that. Uh, and and let us know in the comments what you think about it. We're we're very curious. Uh, and if you, like I said, if you have any topics you think that are interesting for us to uh, talk about, especially um, topics of hauntings or abductions or anything like that within the Kentucky Indiana area, uh, please please let us know that as well. So uh, let's get to our listener story. Ooh. Okay. This comes from a listener. His name's Joshua Rutledge. Uh, this comes from Shelbyville, Kentucky. I once lived on a farm with my grandparent. The house they lived in was built in 1825. The room that I slept in was once occupied by a 12-year-old boy who died in a horse accident. I would often hear sounds of the attic door opening or footsteps on the stairs. But one night, I was sleeping, and I felt something on the bed, and it woke me up. It was an older-style radio alarm clock and weighed about five pounds. It had been moved about two feet. The next morning, I got up and went to work. When I came home, I went up to my room, and there were two children's books lying on my bed. I asked my grandparents if they had been in my room, and both of them said no. I decided that the ghost of the boy just wanted me to read to him, so apprehensively, I did. And things seem to be much less active in the room after that. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Josh, for sending that in. Goosebumps, baby. Goosebumps, for sure. Please send in your listener stories to us. Uh, we are here to believe. That's for sure. Uh, but thank you for tuning in to Fearscape FM here on 100.9 FM WCHQ. Uh, I have been your host, Stefan Gearhart. I will catch you on the flip side. I've been your other host, Brad McQuarrie. Hold those blankets extra tight. And we'll see you next time.
I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. <laughs> Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. Ha 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 ha